All right, welcome back to the Anxiously Engaged podcast. And if this is your first time, welcome. Um, we are, as you know, I love, love, love finding people and connecting with people who are being anxiously engaged in their lives. And that's obviously the title of our show. And that's what we strive to do and to be is to be more anxiously engaged. Now, for some of you, if you haven't heard what that means, my definition of anxiously engaged means not being anxious. It's quite the opposite. It's moving out of the anxiety, moving out of the fears, moving out of the darker colored emotions on the rainbow and moving into the light and to those brighter colors. It means being excited, waking up passionate with some energy, something to look forward to. And it means then being engaged, like taking that action step. You've heard me say a hundred times, the action step only has to be two millimeters in size, but you got to get up and you got to take an action step. And that's what anxiously engaged is all about. And so today I'm really super excited. I met this darling woman um, a few weeks ago. And when I met her, I just was like, oh my goodness, you are anxiously engaged. You are a perfect example of it. And I'm so excited um, to introduce you today, Kimberly Rose. So Kimberly, welcome to the podcast. Hi, and thank you so much for having me. Oh, I've been excited about this for a few weeks. And I know anybody who's listening today is in for a really amazing treat because you have a story unlike any other story that we've told so far. And um, and when I, I just know bits and pieces of it, but when I heard it, I was just so touched. I got goosebumps all over my body. So to the <laughs> listeners, be prepared because you might get goosebumps here in just a minute. <laughs> so are you okay sharing a little bit of your story? Like, tell us, a little bit about yeah. you and, and how your story started. Yeah, so my name is Kimberly Rose. Um, I grew up in New Jersey. I was born in London. I grew up in New Jersey. Um, and back in 2016, I met my late husband, Ben. Um, I just gotten out of a four and a half year relationship and about five months after that ended, I was just starting to kind of refine who I was as an adult. I was starting college again, and I had always wanted to sing on an open mic night in front of people, but I didn't know how to play the guitar. So there was a coffee house around the corner from me, and I was working up the courage every week to go, and I just kept putting it off and putting it off. And finally, I went with my girlfriend the one night, and as I walked in, there were two guys up on stage performing, and I saw the one guy and I looked at my friend and I said, ooh, the things I'd do to him. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we listened to their set. And after afterwards, I went up to them outside and I said, hi, my name's Kim. I really want to sing in front of people. I never have before, but I don't know how to play the guitar. Do you want, if you want to play the guitar for me? And Ben was smoking a cigarette and he looked at me and he said, nope, and flicked his cigarette and walked away. Oh, goodness. <laughs> and um, so I started playing with his friend, Evan. And we played for a couple of weeks. And then since I lived two blocks away, we'd walk back to my house and play music and sit by the fire. And um, over the next couple of months, we just formed a friendship and fell in love. And um, a week after we started dating, I was leaving for a four week trip across country, driving and camping the whole way. Wow. And, <laughs> yeah. And because it was kind of my last hurrah before I really got into college and I was going to finish my degree. Um, so I wanted to have fun. 
Yeah. And uh, the night before I left, I said to Ben, do you want to come? And he said, yeah. Wow. So we started this four week journey. Uh, we went up to Niagara Falls first, then crossed the north all the way to Oregon, to Crater Lake, down through the Redwoods, um, down to Tijuana, back wow. up to Las Vegas, to Texas, to New Orleans, and then back through our favorite part of the country, the Blue Ridge Mountains, which is where he was born um, in Virginia, which was our, definitely our happy place. And um, I mean, it was just such a wonderful experience. I had no clue what I was doing. So the fact that he came the night before I asked and he came with me and taught me all about camping and I mean, just enjoying every little bit of nature that you can and such beauty that the country has to offer and just listening to music and enjoying each other's company through and through. Um, and we also, so when we had gotten to Yellowstone on that trip, mind you, we had only been dating two weeks. Wow. And he <laughs> he, yeah, he proposed to me with a ring made out of a daisy flower. Oh, <laughs> And um, we kind of set our own vows at the top of the PCH in California. And we, when we got to Tijuana, we bought two um, silver rings by some guy named Anto Antonio. Nice. And he, he kind of just said, uh, you're married. Here's two shots of homemade tequila. And um, <laughs> that wasn't legal. I mean, it meant something to us, though. Yeah. Um, and then he proposed on the same stage where we met. And I had my bridal shower in the same uh, coffee house. And yeah, we got married in July of 2017. Wow. Um, so fast forward, I mean, a lot happened in between, but fast forward. Um, after I graduated, well, in the middle of my last semester, COVID hit. Mm. And um, it was just really overwhelming because then I had graduated. I got laid off from my job. We were both home all the time and I just started getting really bad anxiety for really the first time in my life. Um, it was this bad and I was having really bad panic attacks and depression and I was given the opportunity to go to this all women's holistic healing retreat in Colorado for a month. So I drove out by myself. It took five days. Um, one of the special moments on that trip, I was in the middle of Illinois um, and I found this cavern by chance and I walked through, I was completely alone in this beautiful jungle type cavern with streams and I got to the end and it was a dead end and it was this beautiful waterfall just streaming down and I was the only person there. Wow. And I mean, I took my shirt off, I went under the water and I sang and it just echoed. I mean, it was just, it was a really, really beautiful experience to kind of start off a part of my life that I had never expected that changed me completely to my core in more ways than one. Um, so after the retreat, I had my husband, well, I asked him if he wanted to fly out and drive back with me and we could hit a lot of the national parks west. So he flew out on the Monday. Um, we did Mesa Verde. We did Moab. Um, up to Yellowstone again. 
because the first time we were there, we didn't get to see Old Faithful blow. And that oh, yeah. time we, we did, we got to see Old Faithful. We went up to the Grand Pecans and we were working our way up to Glacier. Um, and then that Friday, we were looking for a campsite and we got onto this long um, reservoir road, which was all dirt road. And it was just kind of starting to get dark. Well, let me backtrack to the beginning of the day, actually, before we got there. Um, we are in Montana. It was the middle of the summer. It was beautiful. It was hot. And we found this random lake and we pulled over on the side of the road and jumped in the lake and just floated. I just remember him floating on his back, looking up into the sun. Um, I remember him tucking my hair behind my ear. I remember him taking my fingertips and kissing them. Um, we had gotten out to stretch our legs at one part. And I don't know if you know the artist, his name is Pokey Lafarge. He's from New Orleans. I don't know. Um, yeah, he's awesome. And that was playing in the car. And when we were stretching, he just grabbed me and started dancing with me on the side of the road and the mountains. And so then we started on this road. Um, and I started driving first and Ben being his Benniest jumped out of or climbed out of the passenger window to sit on the roof of the car oh, wow. <laughs> and just bask, bask in the sun with the wind blowing in his hair. And I just remember seeing his feet dangling at the top of the windshield. Um, and then it started to get dark and I was getting tired. So he said, jump in the back. I had a, um, out back. So like we had the seats down with all of our camping gear and I just laid on top and my head was kind of right behind his and I fell asleep and I'd woken up at some point and I said, Hey, let's just pull over. You know, it's late. It's dark. We can just sleep, sleep in the car. And he said, don't worry about it. We're going to be there. We're going to be at the campsite in about an hour. Um, I'm having fun because he had the windows down and his music was on and said, I'm having fun. Don't worry about it. Um, go back to sleep, honey. And the next time I woke up, um, so I was very disoriented at first and I, the car was still on and the music was still playing. So I remember like looking up and just seeing the blue glow of the dash um, on an empty driver's seat. And I, I called for Ben and he didn't answer. So I kind of reached up and turned the volume down. And then I started becoming aware of what, of, of what happened and all the airbags were deployed. Um, there were trees coming through the windows and we were actually, I was actually upside down in the vehicle. Um, so I climbed up to the front and I pressed the SOS button on the roof which was actually on the floor and that didn't go through. So I went, my phone was still connected. So I went to the touch screen and I tried to dial 911 and that didn't go through. So I started going through my belongings, which were on the floor, which was the roof. Um, and I happened to find my cell phone. Um, I'm a type one diabetic. So side note, one week into our first trip, we were in Chicago and he got sugar in my handwriting tattooed on his hand mm. right by his thumb to always remind me to check my sugar. And he always said that was his favorite um, tattoo. So I found my uh, blood sugar test kit was the second thing I found. And 
uh, my pair of Birkenstock sandals and three lighters, which we only had two lighters the whole time. And two of the lighters I found out of the three were not even the ones we had. So I have no <laughs> idea. I have no, I have no <laughs> idea where they came from. Um, ben always said, you got to laugh to keep from crying. So I just thought that he would have found that funny. Um, and yeah, I crawled out of the trunk window and I had my phone, I remember, was in the 30s percentage-wise. And um, I turned my flashlight on and I tried to look for him, but it was a new moon, so it was completely pitch black. We were in the middle of the wilderness. Um, and I opened up my maps and I thought to pin the location of the car. And then I just started climbing because I figured he wouldn't leave me here. He, I must have been unconscious and he went and got help or got out of the car beforehand he had a story he was going up a snowy mountain one time on a very narrow road and he was driving his truck with the door open because he was scared he was going to fall, fall out so he was going to be able to jump out so I I mean my brain was just going a million miles a minute and um so I just started climbing and at that retreat I was at um the Sunday night was the night before I left everyone it was in this mountain range and everyone on their last night climbed the ridge but Mifi, I'm from New Jersey at sea level. I don't do a lot of uh, climbing. It's yeah. mostly flat. <laughs> so the first two weeks I did a lot of hiking and their light hiking for me was not light. And I've had four knee surgeries. So I was like, I'm done hiking. I don't like it. I'm not doing it. But that last night, for whatever reason in me, I said, I have to do this. And um, the recreational therapist took me to the base of the cliff and she said, climb. I, was, I said, there's no trail? And she said, no, you have to find your own path. And she taught me how to find plants and make sure they're rooted. Mm -hmm. And that's how you can climb up. And I mean, if she hadn't taught me that, I have no idea what I would have done. Um, I've never climbed anything like that in my life. And we ended up, um, yeah, so we had, I had fallen asleep in the back seat. And I guess he went off the road. We fell 405 feet down to the bottom of a ravine and landed on the roof of the car. Wow. So I climbed, yeah. Um, so I climbed up 405 feet in Birkenstocks in the dark um, with my cell phone in my hand. But I didn't want to put the um, flashlight on because I was scared I was going to lose battery. So I just, I don't, I don't even know how I did it sheer will and determination and adrenaline I guess and I got to the top I got back onto the dirt road and I saw the tire tracks that went off the side and I was pacing back and forth trying to find service and I would find a bar and stop and call 911 I finally got through I kind of explained to them um where we were what happened and then I would get disconnected. And that happened for an hour as I waited for helicopter rescue to come. Um, the whole time I was just screaming for Ben. I said, Ben, I'm here. Ben, I'm here. It's okay. I'm here. Stay with me. And then finally I heard the helicopter coming and I turned on my flashlight and I did SOS and Morse code. Wow. So yeah, three short, three long, three short. Um, 
they landed. I remember three people running up and the strangest part, I mean, not the strangest part, but one of the strangest parts of the whole night is everyone had masks on because of COVID. So all these people that changed mine told me, told me something that would change my entire life. I don't even know what they looked like. So just these faceless strangers. Um, and immediately the one man started propelling down with a proper harness and rope and I remember shining the flashlight and seeing a shiny thing in one of the trees. And it turns out it was one of my license plates. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And I just kept screaming for him. And I remember saying to the woman, he's going to be okay, right? And I remember the look of terror in her eyes. Um, and eventually... Uh, an ambulance got there and they put me in the ambulance. I remember being in the ambulance hooked up to an IV and I heard someone outside say, we found him. He's gone. Mm, wow. And I just kept, I mean, I, I just kept saying no over and over again and shaking my head. And this other man, faceless man, I can just see his eyes kept saying, he's gone. This is real. He's gone. Somehow I managed to disconnect my IV. I didn't um, pull it out. I disconnected it, which I've never done. I don't even know how I did that. And I got out of the ambulance. And I remember standing on the side of the road saying, where is he? Where is he? No, I want to see him. And they said, we can't bring him up yet. And I remember someone saying, the, the body. Um, not Ben, it was the body. And then someone else said, she's bleeding. And I looked down to my right arm and I guess where the IV was still connected, it was just draining, draining blood out of my arm. And it was just like a waterfall down my hand. Um, and I fainted. And this part, I don't remember, but someone caught me and they said, when I came to, I kept just screaming for him. And I tried to go off the cliff to go find him where they had to then sedate me in my thigh. Um, and they sedated me for two days. I kept waking up and just screaming in the hospital. Um, and I was alone, I, I knew nobody, I had nobody. It was just Ben, and he was gone. And I remember at one point, um, the coroner came in and gave me his watch, which I have on. And his wedding ring and my wallet was in his pocket. Wow. So the things I came out of the accident with, I mean, saved my life. I mean, my test kit, which he always had me check my sugar. He would always say, did you check your sugar? Um, and my phone, my Birkenstocks, um, and my wallet, and then his wedding ring and watch. And that's it. That's all I left the... Um, accident with and so my mom flew in from New Jersey I called the lovely women from the retreat and the, one of the workers actually knew a woman whose name was uh, Diana and the only song Ben sang that whole trip for five days was this song called Speak Plainly Diana um, and Diana lived in Kalispell, Montana, in the middle of nowhere, and happened to know the woman, Dora, who worked at my, the retreat. 
and came and picked me up from the hospital. Never met her in my life. Um, took me to the hotel, went out, got me clothes because I was still in the scrubs. And I'd woken up at some point and there was food next to me and a whole bag of clothes. And then she picked my mom up from the airport. Wow, what an angel. What an angel, absolutely, yeah. She was, she was my angel. And um, yeah, I mean, it was just, after that, it was just a whirlwind. The first six weeks felt like eternity, but also felt like no time had passed at all. Um, I started writing poetry at the retreat and it took me about three weeks after the accident to be able to write again. And one of the first ones I wrote is uh, I said something along the lines of, I feel as if I'm split. My soul is still in Montana. And I wake up the next day and we're at, you know, we're at the campsite and we have breakfast and morning kisses and coffee and make our eggs and bacon and get the camping gear together and continue on our trip and come home. Like that's where my soul was, you know, and but the reality, my body was here in our home, pacing the floors where he once stood, um, just yelling at the empty walls and the silence was deafening. Um, and I found myself dancing in the kitchen with his ghost. And it was very, I mean, it's still surreal. Um, but it was so strange initially because you're on this path and you have this direction and you have this life and this future and you, it's gone in literally a blink of an eye. You know, I was awake and I was talking to him and he was there. And then the next time I opened my eyes, my, that whole world was gone. That life was gone. Um, and that woman was gone, you know. It really changed me to my core. And um, it's taken me, today is actually four months uh, since the anniversary of his death. Wow. And yeah, I mean, uh, it's a, it's just the same house, the same people, mostly. I mean, I've cut a lot of people out because you really see who shows up and who doesn't. Um, and all the people that have, I've met through Ben. And I mean, he changed my life in life and even, even more so in death. Um, just because he would always tell me, slow down slow down you move too fast <laughs> um <laughs> and he really taught me the ineffable beauty of nature and just to really appreciate the little things um the importance of who you surround yourself with so I'm now fiercely selfish with who I allow in my space and allow to take up my time um <sighs> yeah it's just, I've really been trying to navigate this uncharted territory that is grief. That, I mean, I've had my fair share of grief back in 2011. I lost eight people in one year. Oh, wow. And I thought that jaded me to death. 
and it did for a while until you lose, you go through something like this. I mean, it was so sudden and he was only 33. I was 29. I then turned 30 in September. I never thought I'd be spending my 30th birthday as a widow. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. It's just been this whole journey. And I mean, those first couple of weeks, if it wasn't for the friends that are now family, I mean, they have been family, but even more so. I mean, they saved my life. Honestly, I, I thought about killing myself often just because it didn't make sense to me. I got out with a scratch on my hip and a bruise on my rib. That's it. And he was just gone. Mm. Um, and I had someone with me. They took turns pretty much at all times the first couple of weeks. Our um, one couple, um, they've been together since they were 14. They're just together. They have a beautiful little four-year-old boy. They live about an hour and a half away. They drove down every weekend for six weeks oh. and stayed the weekend with me. Um, my best friend Gary was here all the time, even if he just sat on the couch when I couldn't move for hours. My friend Jeannie had to bathe me the first couple of times because I just couldn't even fathom moving or why would I shower? Like it, you know, when you're incapable of maintaining your daily functions, you have to depend on people to help you. And I'm just so grateful and humbled that they really stepped up. I mean, cooked, cleaned, took care of my dogs. I have three dogs and a cat <laughs> and they took care of all of them made my bed, uh, made sure I took my medicine, asked me if I checked my sugar. I mean, just without them, I don't know what I would have done. Yeah. Um, and so the people that I thought would have showed up honestly didn't. And the couple that I was talking about, I had only met three times. They're from the bluegrass fest that we go to. Mm -hmm. So I met them once a year and they knew Ben for 13 years, but they honestly barely knew them. And the woman, Jeannie, I'd known her for a couple of years, but we weren't that close. But um, yeah, and I still, I still would just, I didn't leave the house. I didn't leave the house much at all. I was having really severe, severe anxiety, panic attacks, PTSD flashbacks. Um, and my best friend, Gary, came over the one day, him and our buddy, Donnie, and he said, get up, get dressed, we're going fishing. And I said, I said, no, that's, I'm not, that's not, he said, get up, get dressed. I was like, no, that's probably not going to happen. Uh, and he said, well, just go watch the sunset. It'll be a half an hour. And if you know them, a half an hour is never a half an hour. And it was two o'clock in the morning. Just one more, just one more cast, one more spot. Yeah. Um, but and then, yeah, I just started tagging along. They kept coming and said, come on, we're going to the woods or come on, we're going here. You're going to drive with me and go on errands and slowly started forcing me to leave the house and interact with people other than dogs. Um, <laughs> Thank goodness, though, you had some amazing yeah. people show up that, yeah. I mean, like you said, unexpected people, what, mm -hmm. I mean, lots of them lots of the lady that came and checked you out of the hospital even the, yeah I mean all of it lots of angels mm -hmm. lots of amazing friends fantastic yeah 
I mean, and then I also found my family on my father's side. So three days after I buried Ben, my father um, said he wasn't going to help me out financially, even though he's more than able to do so and said, told me to get a job. It's been a week. How much longer do you need? Oh dear. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I just remember just being stunned into silence. And I said, that's, not an, that's an unanswerable question. How much longer do I need? I said, it's eternity. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this is never something I'm going to just get over. Yeah. Um, and so my job, I'm, I do wedding hair and makeup. I'm a senior head stylist for a wedding company. And I had gotten my bachelor's in social work and I absolutely could not do weddings. Yeah. I couldn't even bring myself to shower. You know, I yeah. had to be forced and forced to get into the bathtub. And then how can I give therapy to people um, or do weddings? It was just unfathomable. Yeah. And um, yeah, I'd posted into the group. Um, I, have, I have plans and this is anxiety. And I had over 26,000 reactions from complete strangers reaching out to me with such kind, I, I, I mean, it just completely blew me away. It was totally overwhelming. Um, I had a woman reach out to me and say, you just saved my marriage because I was getting so upset over the pettiest of things. And you really opened my eyes. I had multiple people, multiple people reach out to me saying I was suicidal and you just saved my life because yeah. I realized how precious it is hearing your story and you know I hope that my story will be a sort of survivor's guide to show people that they can overcome such a traumatic experience um my intention of doing this even with you and accepting the opportunity for this is for others to hopefully look at me and say like that woman went through some horrible horrible yeah thing things yeah. I will say yeah. um yeah. and still went after everything she wanted and continues to do so. Um, and hopefully one day they'll look at this story in the future and say she manifested her dreams. And if she can do it, I can do it. Um, and I mean, that's, so I just applied for a job in the first interview. I got it. Yay. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah. So this is actually, I'll, I'll be a therapist for children and adults with autism Fantastic. and other behavioral disorders. And then within the next two days, I was also offered my old position back as a social worker for a law firm, for an elder care law firm. Wow. And then the next day I got offered back a position at the old salon I was at. <laughs> <laughs> Look at all that. So, Some goodness. Flowing. I mean, yes. Such blessings, you know, within three days and, um, I mean, Ben, Ben always said, you got to laugh to keep from crying. That was one of the main things he said often. And the other one was there ain't nothing for it. Okay. <laughs> You'd say that all the time. So if anything came up and there ain't nothing for it, meaning you just have to accept it and go from there. Yeah. And um, I had a family friend also say to me, if the word, if is the biggest word in the English language. So those two letters yeah. He said, if, if what, if nothing, he said, it, it doesn't matter if this happened differently, or it doesn't matter if maybe this will happen because it didn't happen or it hasn't. Mm. And when he told me that, I mean, it really, it 
changed my life because I was living in the ifs. Like, what, what if I hadn't picked that campsite? Or what if I hadn't asked them to come out? Or what, what if I had been driving? What if I had been like, you will drive yourself into a very, very dark place. Yeah, definitely. If, if you live in the land of if. Um, definitely. Yeah. So you've had already in just this short time you've already inspired and changed lots of people's lives <laughs> we even saved some lives but yeah most important is i think you are saving yours where you mm-hmm. could have spiraled down you could have mm-hmm. even committed suicide and we mentioned already some amazing friends that showed up and made a mm-hmm. difference but you also are like i mentioned at the start being anxiously engaged you're actually doing things now and um, mm-hmm. like you've got still connections with music. You've still got mm-hmm. connections with nature. You've still, you're yeah. writing, you're creating. I know you're an artist, like mm-hmm. how those things, how have those helped you in that grieving process? Because like you said, there is no time limit on, or no proper process on how mm-hmm. a person should grieve or when mm-hmm. they should grieve, how long they should grieve. Like that is up to each individual person. And I'm sure you still are doing some of that, but as you're mm-hmm. getting up and getting dressed and doing a little bit more every day, every mm-hmm. week, like how are those other things helping with the anxiety, the trauma, just your mood, your energy? Mm-hmm. How does that, how does that all factor in for you? Yeah. So it took me about a month before I picked up the guitar again. Um, and as soon as I did, I mean, it's Ben's old guitar. My guitar was destroyed in the crash. Um, so I have his and I have his, he has his playlist taped right, right on the top that I can oh, see. <laughs> yeah. Cool. And, um, I picked it up and it just felt like home, you know, playing, playing the chords and hearing the songs come out of my mouth, like that we sang together, you know, that's how we fell in love with singing music and playing together. And, um, I find songs that mean something deep down to me very like they move you you know they're they're a way to express yourself and it's a universal language that even if you don't even understand the words if it's in another language you can feel it Mm -hmm. um and my poetry I mean it's not I don't even know if you could call it I never called it poetry I just wrote down stuff and (laughs) just words and I mean it's been really impactful for people as well I've had people reach out to me about it and it's just nice to get it off my chest, out of my head, onto paper and see it just so it's not just stuck going in circles around and around and around and you can get it out and actually physically see it. And I actually forgot how much I love drawing. It's been so long. I just had this idea the one day it popped into my head about drawing the back of a woman with a mushroom as a head. Uh And it just popped into my head and I drew it and I said, oh my God, I love drawing. I forgot. And so I've just been drawing based on um, strong women in my life who have helped me through this. Um, The one woman has been going through a very awful breakup from an abusive man, um, which kind of came to light after Ben's death. Um, And it gave her the courage to leave. So I drew a woman while her one foot is planted with a vine growing up to keep her rooted. Mm -hmm. Her other foot is stepping forward. Um, She's like holding her one side to keep herself protected. But then her head is just a bloom of flowers just 
coming out, reaching up towards the sky just to say how she's turning a new chapter to blooming into this beautiful woman. Um, and it's just another way to express myself and stay busy. And my, it works my mind in a way where as before I started getting back into the arts and I mean, even walking out in nature and going fishing and drawing and all this, um, I was just sitting on my couch. The only thing I could watch was the Harry Potter series through and through and the Hobbit. And I don't know if you know this, but they say you tend to go back to shows that you like because you know what happens. You're not having anxiety about what's going to happen because you know. So it's just this comfort. And I think I, my friends, my, I mean, my friends watch it. I mean, I don't even know. It's just on repeat for six weeks. Wow. <laughs> um, but I was stuck in my head too, because I knew yeah. what was coming. I knew the dialogue and I was just reliving that day before I closed my eyes and after I opened them nonstop. And once I started focusing my energy, focusing my mind onto other things, mm-hmm. it helped bring me out of that, um, I still am triggered and I will have these flashbacks and um, it is kind of like a disassociation. You get disconnected and we were at, a, at the fire the other day and I saw the fire, but I was not there. Yeah. And my, yeah. my, my best friend came up to me and held my hands and he looked at me and said, Kim, you're okay. You're safe. Look at me. Cause I couldn't even focus. And finally I was able to look at him and he just brought me back and I found I focus on what's real. So plant my feet and look at my feet. Where are you? And if someone's there, great. I mean, that's wonderful. But a lot of times it happens when people aren't there. And I think yeah. that's why they get so intense. Um, but just focus on the table or your legs. Try yeah. to get a smell, like a sense of smell that you can smell something, like if something's cooking or your perfume. Um, what do you hear? And you know, really just bring yourself back to the now. Yeah, getting present, getting grounded, using your senses, yes. using your body to to come back into the present. Yeah, that's absolutely. Great. Yeah, fantastic. Mm-hmm. I love the. I think one of the reasons I'm so drawn to your story is because um, I love when my my clients, the ladies I work with, using any type of art, any type of expression mm-hmm. to pull that out. It's such a gentle and beautiful process, such a beautiful mm-hmm. healing process. And it, it's slow and it's careful. And a lot of people, I think when they've been through something traumatic or they're s- seriously stuck in anxiety or fears or depression or whatever it is that they're struggling with, I think they think, well, healing is going to be hard and a big, long process. And they get overwhelmed just thinking about that. Mm-hmm. I want to get better, but the process is going to be long and hard and expensive. Yes. That's what's so beautiful about any form of art, any mm-hmm. form of music or, or writing or whatever it is, dance, whatever it is, mm-hmm. it is on your terms, your way. It's your expression. Mm-hmm. It's so freeing and so beautiful. So I absolutely love that you're um, so involved in, in that. And you found multiple ways, not just one, yeah. but multiple ways for different times and different feelings and different emotions mm. that, that you're going through. So beautiful. 
Well, and that's what was difficult for me too. Cause when I first started the therapy right after the accident, that I'm a social worker. So I've had counseled people on PTSD and grief. I mean, I, I mostly worked with the elderly in nursing homes and she was telling me, I knew all these tools. I knew what I had to do. I knew what I should be doing, but yeah. my issue was how, how am I supposed to do these things? Um, and it was by my beautiful circle of friends who, I mean, really, really stepped up and I'm so grateful and thankful. Um, but, and honestly, the people online, mm-hmm. you know, when they weren't able to be here, when they weren't able to talk to me, when they weren't able to come over, I had a support system yeah. online. Mm-hmm. What would you tell the people though, who feel like they didn't have the angels in disguise show up. They didn't have family and friends show up, or at least they'll show up the way they wanted or hoped, or maybe they mm-hmm. make a post on Facebook and have hundreds or thousands of comments. What, what about mm-hmm. that lady who's feeling a hundred percent alone in her grief and her trauma? Like, what would you say to her? I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is Ben, well, there ain't nothing for it, you know, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> You know, it, I mean, what this has taught me especially is that you just, you, you don't have a choice in what happens to you. You don't, um, but you have a choice in what you learn from it, where you go from there. Um, you just have to keep trying. Yeah. You know, you just, you cannot give up yeah. because, and people say to me, you're so strong. I don't think I'm strong. I don't feel very strong at all. I just have to, because uh, then I feel like Ben's death would be in vain, you know, because he lived life through and through. He didn't just exist. He lived, Um, you know, and he, I found a um, letter from him by chance that I'd never received. It was in stuck in with a bunch of junk mail. And at the end, it said, just remember to look up at the sun and feel the sun beating on your face and go out on those crisp nights and look at the stars and find Orion's belt for me. Um, so take your vitamins and check your sugar. <laughs> <laughs> Cute. And he said, um, I'm just grateful for the love that we've shared. Wow. And it was very surreal because it in that moment, it's almost like he was writing to me from beyond. Um, and yeah, he did. He just, those, those special little mundane, somewhat boring moments of life. You know, I saw a quote this morning that I saw a couple of years ago, but it popped up this morning. It says, life is great and amazing. And then it's awful and terrible. And then it's great. And then it's terrible and you're alone and you're not. And in between that, is the beauty of the mundane yeah. and um, you just have to make peace with yourself as well. I mean, if, if you don't have people around you, cause look, I mean, I didn't always have the internet. I mean, I didn't have people constantly talking to me or around me and I had to sit with myself. And um, so I'll tell you too. So I was actually, I was born in England. I was born at two fifty three in the morning which I, if I was born here, it's 9.53 p.m. on the East Coast okay. on 9.990. On so every year on the day before my birthday at 9.52, I go into the bathroom alone 
and I look at myself in the mirror and watch myself age that minute. Okay. Cause it's like, now I'm officially the next year. Yep. And, um, this year it was 30 and I just assess what happened the last year and just kind of like have a conversation with myself and really look at myself and, um, just dig deep inside what has happened. And especially this year, I mean, it was really heavy and, um, just assess what do I want for this next year and baby steps. You know, I, I went to shop right by myself for the first time. I lasted to the string cheese and left, (laughs) Yeah, you know, but I did that. And then just, you just have to try your best in your own time at your own pace. Um, and just do the best that you, you're able to, you know, you, you really shouldn't have, you shouldn't feel pressure or feel you have to do a certain thing. And if people are pressuring you or trying to make you feel like you're doing the grief wrong or it should be faster, then you just have to cut them out of your life, even if it's only momentarily, um, because you, you just can't allow yourself to be surrounded by that type of ne- negative energy, especially when you're going through something as traumatic. Absolutely. Yeah. When you're already going through something dark, you don't need more pressure or, or just anything that's going to hold you back. It's, it's got to be forward, but on your pace, Mm -hmm. on your terms, Mm -hmm. your way. I love that. Absolutely. With this experience, when you look forward Mm -hmm. with your new job coming up and and Mm -hmm. new, new future, um, is this going to help you be a better counselor and therapist? Are you going to be able to, do you think this is going to help with that? I mean, not that I want you to have to go through that mm-hmm. to be better at your job, but, mm-hmm. but you'll be able to connect, I think with people. Yeah, absolutely. Whether it's work um, or not. Yeah. In totally different ways. So how do you picture mm-hmm. this helping you moving forward? I mean, in every way, honestly, that I can think of, um, unfortunately a month ago, a friend of mine, passed away in a very similar car accident, um, half a mile from my home on my street that I live on. He's also 33. Um, I'd seen him Friday and Wednesday morning, he went head on into a school bus. And I mean, I've been able to help my friends. Um, a lot of them have come to me. I reached out to his girlfriend who I actually had never met. Um, and we're going to have coffee hopefully this week. And I mean, if I can just, I, I really feel like that's my purpose, you know, because everyone says it's a miracle. You're alive. You're here for a reason. Um, and in the, the first couple of weeks, I just would get so angry when people said that everything happens for a reason. You're here for a reason. And I just would get so upset. But now that I'm kind of coming out of that initial fog, um, I truly believe there is a reason. And I, th- I think it's just to help, to help in any way I can, whoever reaches out to me or if I come in contact with someone randomly, which has happened already, you know, I just am able to empathize and just hold space and listen and offer advice if they want it, or just offer my story if it helps. Um, Yeah. In any way I can. I mean, I really feel like that's the reason why I was put here on this earth. I love that. 
I feel bad because this conversation today, I think I've just said, oh, wow, about 15 times. I really <laughs> haven't, like your story's just really engaging though. And I it got mm-hmm. goosebumps again today. Mm-hmm. And it's just, oh, wow. I don't even know what to say. Because it's like, wow, oh, wow. I know. I know. And I've had people, I've had people that I've known for almost my whole life that only recently reached out because they said, I don't know what to say. Yeah. And my advice to people that feel like that is it's totally okay because honestly, there isn't much you can say. Yeah. But just check in. Hi. Yeah. I'm thinking of you. Exactly. I don't think there ever is perfect mm-hmm. words because we, we haven't been Mm-mm. through these things. So we don't know yeah. what it feels like. We don't know what to say, but mm-hmm. I totally agree with you. Say something versus nothing. Even if it feels mm-hmm. wrong or, or awkward, yeah. at least say or do something. Yeah. I have, um, one of Ben's aunts just text me a heart emoji every, whenever, whenever I pop into her head, that's it. Perfect. Just a heart. And I send her a heart back and we say a little prayer for prayer for each other. And, um, just that it just lets, lets you know, you're thinking of one another. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Well, Mm -hmm. as we wrap up, is there anything else you want to say or share with us? Anything that would be beneficial to the people who are listening today? Yes, I actually have a song that Ben sang all the time. Um, he was a bluegrass musician. His family was three generations. Um, and I'll sing just the first verse in the chorus for you. Fabulous. It, just, it has a really beautiful message. And he sang it um, the first year we had Thanksgiving with my mom. He sang it for her. And we played it um, for just the family after the funeral. Well, before we went to the cemetery. And um, yeah, I'd like to share that with you guys now. That would be wonderful. That would be a great treat. Okay. All right. I've been sitting here thinking back over my life. Of all of the good things, the trouble and strife, I've had my share of heartache, yes, so many I've had, but I still think the good things outweigh the bad. Well, I've rocked my baby And I when they cry And I've seen the teardrops Just turn into smiles And that's when I realize That all the bad luck I've had I know all the good things outweigh the bad. Beautiful. You know, I know our listeners can't see this, but it's really touching for me because we're on, on video and I can see you singing this song, Ben's words, Ben's song holding his guitar, playing on his guitar. And I get to see that. I get the privilege. That's what these guys don't get. I do. Mm -hmm. 
and it is very touching. I literally have goosebumps all over my body and his words are beautiful. It's true. Mm -hmm. There's so much good and the good does outweigh the bad. Mm -hmm. um, I know it probably doesn't always feel like that for everybody going through their dark moments, but there is always good, even in the dark moments. And, mm -hmm. and I love that you turned your light on in the dark. Mm -hmm. even in the very moment you turned on the light, you found the light in the dark, you mm -hmm. found help, you found angels, and now you're being a light for others. Mm -hmm. When their batteries are low, I'm so glad yours is charging up and that you're mm -hmm. able to do that. It's so beautiful. It's, it's funny you say that because we both had tattoos for our wedding rings. And mine is um, just simple, a triangle with a dot up top, but the yeah. triangle, because um, he was my rock, so it's a mountain and this little dot I was um his moon in the darkness oh. his, his light how beautiful I didn't know that that gives mm -hmm. me the again <laughs> yeah <laughs> you keep sending little signs like that all the time yeah so. and those are those little tender mercies those little gifts that show us mm -hmm. that we're okay we're getting there we're, we're okay we're gonna be mm -hmm. okay we're gonna do this yeah Miss Kimberly, it has been an absolute pleasure to speak with you today. I appreciate you singing for us and sharing your story. Mm -hmm. If there's women who want to hear more from you, or is it okay if they message you or email you or what? Are you comfortable with that? Is that? Absolutely. Yes, please. Um, please reach out to me. I actually have a grief Instagram. It's blending with the laundry. Cute. Which is... Um, yeah, because uh, with my depression, I mean, I just I would have piles of laundry and just sit in it and watch TV. And yeah, so it's blend in the laundry on um, blend in, blend in with the laundry on Instagram. And if you have any of my information, Rachel, you can gladly share it. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. And yeah, we'll definitely make sure everybody has your Instagram. And, and then if anybody um, has any trouble finding her, just message me. We'll we'll get you guys connected. But I just really wanted to thank you really touched by your story and your thank vulnerability you. and your courage to share it so early on. You're just yeah. an amazing job and can't wait to keep following your stuff so I can see all your beautiful art and all the things. That thank you. you. So, thank you for this opportunity, Rachel. My pleasure. And everybody, I just want to wish you guys an anxiety free and a gratitude filled day as always. Bye.